Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Ben Verlander is uh, Justin's brother. More importantly at the moment, he's obviously the host of the of the podcast Flipping Bats. He's gives us a little feel of what his brother and what the Verlander family decided here today with that no trade and going back to Houston. Ben, uh, uh, nice to talk. Christopher Russo, how are you today, pal? Okay? Good. How are you, my friend? Thanks for having me. You got it. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate that. Um, uh, w- w- how many teams do you know of? Was it only Houston and maybe the Dodgers? How many teams do you think your brother would have weighed there's no trade for to be traded today? Ben, any thoughts on that? Let me hear. You know, one thing that I think is, is pretty important here that most people don't think of on the surface is the logistics that go into things. And, you know, Houston being a place that he's super comfortable with, uh, his home is not far from the spring training facility down there in Florida. Uh, I, I do think the list was short of where he ultimately would have gone. And obviously the Dodgers are in win-now mode and they're very good. And that was certainly a possibility. But you start thinking of the logistics there and their spring training is on the other side of the country. And uh, I, I think all of that stuff ultimately matters. And uh, it was I, I think I think when it came down to it, if he was going to get moved, I think it was going to be to the Astros, which is a place that he's super comfortable with and a place that his family is super comfortable with. And they know they know the ins and outs of the city. And I, I think the logistics really matter. It's uh, a good answer. Uh, do you think there was any chance that he would have agreed to go to a team like the Orioles? Uh, yes, I, I do. Uh, and, you know, the, the Orioles are a team that at this point in Justin's career, uh, obviously being 40 years old and, and him still pitching as if he's, you know, in Cy Young form, especially here of late the last couple of months. The Orioles are a team that I think, and I've said this before, I, I, the word dynasty in baseball might be a little strong, but the Orioles are on the cusp of greatness for the next decade. And in my opinion, who doesn't want to be a part of that? So I think a lot of it came down to what the best package was going to be, and I think Houston ending up throwing in the piece was obviously Drew Gilbert being the number one prospect, and I think he is an absolute stud out of Tennessee. Um, So I think him being a part of that was huge. But, yeah, I I don't see a reason in which he wouldn't have gone to, to Baltimore. Wow, uh, because the Orioles, of course, as you said, first place. I've heard varying things about Joe Gilbert. Who the heck knows? I'm not following these prospects. We shall see. Is he surprised that after Scherzer, the Mets decided to trade him too? Uh, I, I think he was surprised about the Scherzer situation. I think that's why we're here. I think we're here. I think there's a couple of reasons we're here. One being the Mets are in the midst of the biggest disappointment of a season in baseball history, in my opinion, um, spending all the money and, and not getting into the playoffs. I, I don't see any way in which you couldn't answer it that way, which is disappointing uh, because obviously it was rooting for them all year long. And, and two, I think the Scherzer trade really changed things. And I think it got to that because after David Robertson was moved, Scherzer, was outspoken about, hey, this was a surprise to me. I need to have a conversation with the front office about the direction that this team wants to go. And I don't know what was said in there, uh, but I know he was traded within 24 hours. And once that happened, I think then it got to a place for Justin that it was like, well, if, if this is, you know, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. Uh, and I don't know what they told to Max Scherzer, but clearly something that made him want to be on the move. So I think it was a combination of all those things, the bad season, 
the deciding to sell, the surprising sell of Scherzer, and uh, I think that's what led to this. Yeah, uh, I'm a little down on Scherzer. They paid him $43 million. He was not great in his two years. He was terrible last year and accounted the most uh, this year in and out. I mean, the idea that Max Scherzer, who has been a mercenary, who has been all over the place, Washington, the Dodgers, the Mets, now Texas, in the last two years, the idea that he's going to dictate to the Mets, you know, I want to know what direction you're going in. That did not sit well with a lot of Met fans. That I can tell you. Now, Justin did not do that. Plus, he's won championships and has won as, uh, as, as, as recent as last year. So I think he handled it pretty well. Yes, he said he was surprised, but he did not give any orders to the Mets front office. It appeared that Scherzer was doing that, and Justin did not, which was smart. Give me your thoughts on that, Ben. Let me hear. Go ahead. I, I agree. I absolutely think that's the case. It, it, look, I don't think we're not privy to the conversation that happened in that office with, with Max Scherzer, but it certainly seems like uh, there was a conversation had in there of, Hey, what's the direction? And if it's not the right direction, I want out. And I, I don't think that was ever the case with Justin. I think it just got to a point of once Scherzer was out the door, it seemed like the necessary, uh, it seemed like the right move for the Mets to, uh, to look into trading him. And, and ultimately I think Justin ended up waiving the no-trade clause because of everything that's happened. And, uh, you know, we can have the conversation of the, of the returns, but I, I don't think that's the important conversation here. I think it's the Mets season, and as you mentioned, Scherzer walking in there saying, hey, what's happening? And uh, th- that's quite the move on his part, and he ended up out the door. And, yeah, Justin, there was no part of, of that with him, but uh, ultimately it ended up happening. All right, back to Houston. I know he's close to the owner, Crane. Did he talk to Crane in the last two days? Give me a little rundown there if you can help me. Go ahead. I, I think that's a huge I think that's a huge part of this. His relationship with with Jim Crane and obviously new GM there in town, Dana Brown. But at the end of the day, uh, they have a really good relationship. And I you know, when I mentioned at the beginning the logistics of things and the comfortability of a certain situation, there's no place he's more comfortable right now than Houston. And if you're going to pick up your family and move across the country, it's going to be Houston. All right. And obviously close, as you said, to his home in Florida. And you're right. Spring training is a factor because that hurts Scherzer because Texas trains in Surprise, Arizona, and he lives in Jupiter, Florida. So that makes it a very tricky situation for him uh, as far as uh, what he's going to do next March. But you do think that if a team that was in a pennant race, Baltimore, and trained spring training in Florida, you know, the Orioles fans are going to wonder why they didn't get involved. And they're going to, and the Orioles might say, well, he wasn't going to come here. You're telling me that you don't think that's the case. If Baltimore was persuasive enough, you think a team like the Orioles in the state of Florida is a place that you could have seen him be pitching for the next couple of years, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, Everybody knows the Orioles certainly have the farm system to, to do what it takes to get Justin. Uh, so, you know, would he have would he have rathered Baltimore over Houston? I, I don't think that's fair to say. I, I would doubt that to be the case. But it's certainly a place that, yeah, spring training down in Florida, it's a place that, you know, it's right down the road from where we all grew up. It's just hours from where we grew up in Virginia. Um, you know, we've been up to games there. So that all matters. And I think at the end of the day, it's about winning. And that organization is set up to win in the future. And the Astros are set up to win right now. And I think that played a huge role. 
All right, finally there, Ben. Ben Verlander on his brothers, Justin, and, of course, with Houston today from the Mets. Uh, did he like New York? Did he, did he get the vibe of the city? Did he like Showalter? Did, did, did everything about New York in these five months did he enjoy? How about that? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I know uh, that they, they well, my sister-in-law and him have spent all seasons there before. They love New York. Uh, he, he loved the opportunity to get to play there in New York. And, uh, yeah, I, I think from, from everything I've heard about Buck Showalter, you know, players love, love him. He's a great guy. He's a great person. And, uh, yeah, I think the opportunity, though it ended up being a lot shorter than uh, I think anybody expected, the opportunity to pitch in New York in that market uh, is something that will be remembered forever for sure. Good job, Ben. Uh, excellent with the update today. Appreciate a few minutes. Good luck to you. Knock him dead with the uh, podcast, Flipping Bats. Appreciate you coming on. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I have been amazed, and I have not watched, me, partly because it's on the middle of the night, uh, partly because there's other things I'm more interested in at the moment, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with the actual sport itself, which is soccer, and the competitive nature of, um, uh, of the women's soccer, where there's not a lot of great teams compared to the men. Uh, but the bottom line is, I have been floored, and I have done my little informal poll with people that I know who have kids who play college soccer college soccer they're not you know forget high school college soccer boys and girls and i'm amazed i've been forgetting the locale of the event you know in uh, you know in australia and new zealand with the time difference you know in a lot of ways precludes you from getting involved i mean last night's game that the u.s women's team played against portugal started at 3 a.m nothing nothing tie but i'm amazed of how many people who love soccer they can't get in, they can't get into this women's team at all, and a women's soccer team they they they, they can't watch they can't root for, them. and I you know uh, whether it, there's probably a plethora of reasons I know they're outspoken you know I don't know if the flag's got something to do with it you know it's hard to play for your country and not so no I don't know what they're doing in this situation with the American flag I don't pay any attention to that stuff I used to I no longer do, uh, but when you're playing for the country. And, you know, it's one thing if you're playing for the Eagles, uh, but if you're playing for your country and, and don't obey, that, that makes it a little trickier. Anyway, to make a long story short, I'm not giving you an opinion on it. I'm just telling you it makes it a little harder. I'm amazed of the amount of people that I have spoken to that just can't get wrapped up in this team. And, you know, either don't watch or don't want to root for them which I find surprising. Now, I bring that up because Carly Lloyd, a former teammate who I guess today was really lambasting the team because this is a team that's won two straight World Cups. And did you see that a couple of the players were taking photos with the celebratory fans for finishing second in their group play after a nothing-nothing tie this morning against Portugal, in which they really should have lost the one great scoring opportunity on a game. Portugal hit a post with 90 at the 91-minute mark. And if Portugal had won, the U.S. would have been out. And, and the U.S. team that has won this event twice is going out there celebrating being a second-place team in their group, and they should have lost today. And Carly Lloyd went, this is ridiculous. So this is what we're doing here? This is the most done. I didn't see it. I'm out getting up at 4.30 in the morning to watch the coverage of, of any of, listen, I barely do that for tennis. I'm not going to do it for uh, men's or women's soccer. I'm not doing that, nor so I'm just not. Uh, in a, especially in group play. It's not even in a final. Uh, but I really got on them pretty good. And you know what? She's right. 
she's a thousand percent right, and she's certainly much more. Uh, you know, she's got much more uh, skin in the game than I do. She played for the team. She knows the team pretty well, and she went all over him. She got all over him today for celebrating a tie in which they were very fortunate to get. Should have lost, and if they did lose, they would have been sent home before they get to the second round. So, and you know, I agree with her wholeheartedly. When you're the United, this is not a team that has not gone to a second round of a World Cup in its history. This is the United States that has won two World Cups in a row. And if you've won two World, it'd be one thing if you won today three nothing and won the group with a three and zero record. We were one zero and two. And finished in second. It'd be one thing if you were three and zero and dominated, and you wanted to enjoy the three wins and look at us win around the sixteen. That I could have lived with. That's okay. But when you get outplayed tonight, should have lost. We're second in your group, and you celebrate like you won the title. That is a little rough. And don't tell me about criticism. Well, you know what? It's out of line to quit. No, it's not. They screamed and yelled, and you could argue this until the cows come home. For equal pay, rightfully or wrongfully, they got equal pay. When you get equal pay and you play a professional sport, you then get the same criticism that a men's team would have gotten. And if a men's team took pictures with the fans after, and this is the men's team that does not have nearly the success the women's team does, but if the men's team did that, We wouldn't have as big a problem because of their history of not being great in World Cup play and they never won a World Cup. Still, that would have sat wrong. When you get outplayed and you essentially disappoint and are very fortunate to survive, you can't be taking selfies with American fans when you advance as the second-place team in your group when you're the the two-time cup holder. That you can't do. That you can't do. That's not, the, that's not, and again, you want to sit there and say, well, who are you to criticize? They're getting equal pay. And if I would have criticized the men for this, I got, I got to do the same for the women. And the men would have more of a reason to take the selfies in the congratulatory mode because they're not the two-time well, uh, World Cup champion as the United States are. When you've won two World Cups in a row, you're going for an unprecedented three. You don't take photographs with the fans after you get, uh, in a lackluster, nothing, nothing tie when you should have lost to get to the second round. That you don't do. That you don't do. And, and, and I'm, again, leave me out of it. I'm talking about the soccer fan, the big soccer fan who watches soccer constantly. I've been amazed. This team is a polarizing team. And I have been very surprised by the apathy would be the correct word. By the at- hatred's too strong. Apathy is the correct word towards this team. All right, part of it might be the factor on the other side of the world. I'll buy that. But I am a little surprised that I walked into a place today that is full of soccer fans. They didn't even know the score of the game. Did not even know the score. Knew they advanced because they saw the headlines, United States advances to round two or, or, or the knockout stage, but did not even know the score. Now, you want to tell me it's at 3 a.m.? You know what? It comes on your phone. They just didn't care enough. That surprised me, I have to admit. That surprised me. And I didn't know the score either. And when I found out that they had advanced, 
I looked up the score and said, wow, they didn't even win. It was 0-0. And then I followed it in the course of the morning, and I see the quotes and I see from Carly Lloyd, the former player on the Fox postgame, destroying a women's team for taking selfies. What are we doing taking selfies when we're the two-cup champ? That's ridiculous. We, we, that, we shouldn't be doing that. After we were outplayed, we're taking selfies like we did something? I mean, we gotta, we're, the women's, we're the world's best when it comes to women's soccer. We've got to act better than that. So there you have it. Interesting. Now, again, I said this yesterday and I'll say it again. They had very good ratings. So maybe the soccer fan that I know of is not the soccer fan who's going to bars at 9 o'clock at night watching these first two games against the Netherlands and Vietnam. We, we tied the Netherlands and we beat Vietnam. I don't know that. But I like to see the rating from last night. They did about five or six million, five million on Fox, and another million on Telemundo. That's a good rating uh, for women's soccer on a week uh, on a at nine o'clock at night on Fox. Now it's on Fox. They're gonna get two million watching. Uh, they can put me on. They're gonna get two. That's still a good rating. We're not knocking the rating. Let me see what they did with the before I read about the fact that the whole world is up into the wee hours and celebrating the women's team. Let me see the rating from last night. It's on Fox. Let me get the rating from last night that started at 3 o'clock in the morning. I deal with this with tennis all the time. Chris, nobody cares about the Australian Open. Stop talking about it. Well, why? Because it's on at 4 o'clock in the morning, Chris. Nobody's watching it, so don't waste our time. So I hear that all the time when I get into that. And that's men's tennis or women's tennis at at a major. So if that's the case... And nobody's watching, Chris. Let me see what uh, this rating then, if they're going to get all this attention, better have had six or seven million people watching it, which the tennis does not have at six or seven million. Let me see that. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.